Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of the Scoing Long Podcast. I'm Zachary Neal. That guy over there is Jonathan Stewart. Jay Stu, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How's the weather over there? Uh, you know, we had a really nice weekend, but the rain has come back. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like that classic little February window where it's like, okay, I can get out and, you know, do some yard work for a little bit. But now it's it's back inside. How are things over there on your side of the, the nation? Well, I'll tell you what. We went to Charlotte FC soccer game, which they won, mm-hmm. by the way. Shout out Charlotte FC. Um, but it was cold. It was a yeah. cold Saturday, cold weekend. Yeah. But then yesterday, it like heated up out of nowhere. We went to Greg Olson's um, charity event for um, the Hardest Yard, and I wore a turtleneck. And needless to say, that was a bad <laughs> idea. You're a little warm like, after. Out of, out of nowhere, it was like 70 degrees at 7 o'clock at night. So, Wow, that sounds wonderful right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got a lot to discuss today. We've got Big Ten rivalries. We've got some NFL Combine stuff. I want to get to an open-ended discussion about the world of college football right now. Before all of that, though, this kind of kind of goes in line with what we were just talking about. I've got something to ask you that was not on the rundown, so I've got something to throw out to you. Okay. Based on a couple of social media posts from you over the past week, I have to ask, are you a golfer, Jay Stu? Oh, absolutely. Golf is life. Okay. I did not know this about you, and I think that we are going to be much better co-hosts now because we are aligned on this fact. We should actually go and do a podcast in a golf cart one day. It's my dream. That would be that would be great. I uh, I don't know if you know, I work at a, a local golf course here just one day a week. I've done it for eight years now and i just oh, wow. do one day a week because it gets you free golf throughout the year and it's like yeah i work for four to six hours one day a week and i just get free play the whole year round. so man um, how'd you work that out you know it's you know you know people that's as anything yeah, goes in this know. industry it's who you know Kids, so. it's not what you know it's who you know but i saw one year i think right it people. was I think it was Instagram. You posted some Oregon Ducks. What were they? Jordan golf shoes. Those were, man, those had me very jealous. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, Oregon, man, they, they always look out for the, the alumni. Um, and it was basically, you know, a package of an invitation to alumni golf tournament that this, that's going to take place, um, this summer. So got an invite to go play. So I feel pretty special. So that alumni tournament is held, I'm pretty sure, is it at Emerald Valley Golf Course? Is that what the thing said? Do you remember? Nah, it's uh, Brazada Ranch, actually. Brazada, okay. Usually they hold it at Emerald Valley. They have the past couple of years, which is the golf course that I work at. So I've okay. been able to, you know, meet Walter Thurmond and, uh, you know, a lot of the the players that have, have come through over the past few years. So I was going to say, if it was okay. there again, you uh, we were going to have to fly you out. Maybe we could actually do that podcast uh, from a golf cart in person. Well, I'm, I'll be in Oregon, so we can we, we can work something out. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. What's your we'll handicap? I am a four right now. What's yours? Oh my gosh! You yeah, no, I'm like actually god. a golfer. <laughs> You're a golf god. Yes. What's uh, yours? I'm a, I am a smooth fourteen. Okay, that's so, not fine. That's very respectable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so if I if I have a good day though, I can I can I can beat some people. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm very excited for this. We're going to have to figure something out. Yeah. All right. Enough golf talk. Um, Let's get into this. Basically, what I had planned for us today is a discussion about, you know, what Oregon fans can expect in the Big Ten as far as rivals go. Uh, I think we can agree that in the Pac-12, you had Washington, uh, Oregon State, USC, Utah, Stanford, kind of as your your rivals. You can rank those in whatever order you want. Um, You know, but... And then you had the fringe Arizona schools just because what happened in Arizona was always kind of a sore subject. So question for you, what was the team that you most hated as a player? Who was your biggest rival when you were at Oregon? Uh, my biggest rival was always UW. 
Okay. And simply because I went, I came from Washington. So mm-hmm. I was the kid that went to high school um, in Olympia, uh, Lacey, Washington. Uh, and everybody expected me to go to UW and Washington mm-hmm. State. And so I basically jumped over the border <laughs> and went to the place that was forbidden. Mm-hmm. And I received a lot of hate about that, you know, especially during that time, recruiting was just now getting, was just getting started um, in this whole hype era. And I, I remember I worked at Safeway and everybody kept coming through the lines. Oh, you made a mistake. I hope you fail. Like <laughs> adults talking to a high school kid, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like about yeah. his future and basically like condemning me. But um, so I, I learned quick, you know, that there was a, a deep hate from the people in Washington for, for huh. the University of Oregon. I never grew up understanding the rivalry, um, but I was I was I was made known of, of how much hate there is there. Once I declared, so. And then you went on to, correct me if I'm wrong, never lose to Washington during your time at Oregon. Yep, never lost. <laughs> never lost that to was... the University of Fuskies. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so basically, what I want to figure out today is what the rivalry hierarchy will be for Oregon in the Big Ten. We're going right to break on. it down through all 17 teams, kind of assign a number grade for each team based on how likely they are to be a strong rival for Oregon, 10 being the highest, one being for the, the schools that, you know, there's no rivalry in the future. So, mm-hmm. for example, I think that Washington and Oregon State in the Pac-10 would have been a 10 for Oregon, while, you know, someone like who Colorado Cal probably like a one or two something like that all that makes sense exactly yeah absolutely all right let's get into the let's get the uh the non-rivals out of the way who do you have on your list that is a three or lower teams that you're just kind of throwing away um I got the fighting Illini whatever that means <laughs> Illini um, I think it is Illini <laughs> Illini okay so hey, yeah, so sure. Oregon fans we gotta we gotta you know, learn, you know, the Big Ten because we can't be <laughs> out here, you know, giving these guys random names. But uh, <laughs> Illinois is one of them. Um, I actually looked up their history. Um, our record is actually one and one. So I thought we have two uh, and one. I found it two and one when I looked it up. Was today. it two and one? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's two yeah. and one, but one of those two. Yeah, one of them. Not a long it, history. It all, all I know is it was in, it was in the, and it was in the 70s. So, yeah, um, it was a long Doesn't time matter. ago. Uh, but shout out to my boy Rashad Mendenhall, um, Illinois cat running back, you know, RBs. Uh, so yeah, Illinois, I had, would you have them as a one, a three? Okay. I had them at a three. I had them as Um, a one just to get it off the, on the record. You know, we don't need to talk too much about Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. They're whatever. And then, um, Maryland, uh, the turtles (laughs) basically, I guess, um, number, I had them at a three, Um, let me see. Rutgers had them at a two. Um, I had them at a two as well. And then Northwestern. I know we kind of played them recently, but they just don't, it just doesn't ring a bell for me. Um, Did we play them recently? I have us as one. We we played them in 2015. Did we? Yeah. Okay. I'll trust you on it, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we played them. I'm looking that up real quick. I don't remember that. Yeah, when did did we play them in 2015? I have no recollection of that happening, but I'm looking it up right now. Um, no, we played them once no. in 1974. 1974. Okay, there it is. Uh, fact check, Zach over here. Good yeah, thing he's on you. podcast because he's out here giving us straight facts. I'm over here spitting. Journalist on the ground you know, here. I'm spitting, you know, my own knowledge. but um but yeah i have them as a as a three okay so i had are those the only other ones that you had under three yeah under three yeah okay me personally i had illinois indiana i had minnesota at a two um i had northwestern at a two i had purdue at a one and i had rutgers at a two i don't think there's any chance that a rivalry is gonna you know pop up between those schools in Oregon because for a rivalry for a rivalry to be good you needed 
like competitive games. And I don't see yeah. any future in the next five, 10 years where there are, you know, competitive games and wins on both sides of those. So um, yeah. let's go on to the next tier. Someone in like the four or five range. Who do you have? Um, Four or five range. I have, I have Indiana, the Hoosiers. Okay. Um, and then I have Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. Mm-hmm. Um, Great name. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically because of the name for me it stands out <laughs> the most. Don't I'm not gonna lie. I don't really know anything about you guys yet. So yeah. um, as we'll the learn. off season we'll goes, learn. we'll learn about Still you young. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I have right there. Um, okay. In that category. In the four to five range for me, I had Maryland at a four. Um, I had them. A, you had them at a three, right? You said. Mm-hmm, out of three i had them bumped up a little just because you know it kind of feels like they're trying to step on oregon's turf with the whole uniform thing the uniform be, stuff exactly so it's like trying to be if relevant they ever yeah if they ever get good uh you know there could be a little bit of rivalry there but i don't see much of that happening do you think their uniforms are pretty good though they're not for me, but I get the attempt. Like I, I understand it. They're not awful. I mean, I, yeah. I would prefer a Maryland uniform to someone like Penn State, who just never changes their uniform and just very bland. So I like yeah. it in that sense, but I, I can't say that I would be a uh, wearing a uniform if I was a Maryland fan or anything. Right? Because I did. Didn't they have like some cool helmets? Yeah, their helmets are like the state flag. I think they're pretty cool, but. Yeah. It's also just kind of like an interesting looking state flag. So it's, I guess, you know, okay. whatever your preference I'm just, is. I'm just trying to get brownie points from the Maryland fans. There you That's go. All. Yeah, you're trying to get on their good side early on. Okay, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, another team that I had as a five, I have UCLA as a five. I yeah. I just don't really see a rivalry coming between Oregon and UCLA. There wasn't really much of one when they were in the Pac-12, and I think that they're just on two different trajectories right now. Oregon is being you know, as good as they've ever been. UCLA is kind of going down. I know that um, you've got an affinity for Deshaun Foster. I don't blame you. I'm excited to see what he can do. I love their hiring of Eric Bieniemy. I think that's you know interesting, that's to say huge. the least. So they could be really good in a few years, and maybe we'll revisit this then. But right now, I just don't see a, a big rivalry going for them. Yeah, I hear you. So six, seven range. Who do you have there? I have UCLA um, okay. at the six, and okay. and basically just from the standpoint of there's history, yeah. um, and I, I don't think you can ever wipe away history, especially if they're both going into the same conference um, on a national scale. And then I have the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yep. You had him at a six. Um, yeah, I got him at six. I had him there, there as well. Yeah. You said and you want me to say a seven, too? Well, let's leave it on Iowa let's just for say a second. A six. Okay. I think I think the thing with Iowa is that what will be interesting in that potential rivalry is how different the two teams are. I mean, Oregon's going to come out and score 40-plus points a game. Iowa's going to yeah. try to keep you to under 10, and they're going to score yeah. no more. 13 a game so it'll just be an interesting clash to see them go at it for the next few years yeah it's one of those it's one of those games that i think you're going to see a lot of physicality um who's going to be the more physical team at the end of the day and i think that's a good measuring stick for oregon every year that they have to play iowa yeah i agree go ahead and give me um a seven and we'll talk about it um michigan state okay wow Michigan State, uh, you know, the battle of the green jerseys. Um, mm-hmm. Who wears it best? Um, obviously, Oregon does. Uh, and so, I mean, we I think we lost. Did we lose to them the last game we played against them? The last game we played, we beat them in the Red Box Bowl. It was 7-6 to six was the final score. Okay. That was Mario Cristobal's oh, first Oh, yeah, that's game. right. Maybe that's the reason why. That's, maybe that's the reason why I felt like we lost. Yeah, right. The game before that was the uh, the Vernon Adams game, though, where he got hurt at the start of that year. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's the one we yeah. lost late in East Lansing. Okay. Was that 2015? That was, yeah, 2015. Yeah. I personally had Michigan State as an eight, um, just because I think that there is that recent history. Their overall history, Oregon's four and three against them. 
Um, they've had just some some really good games against each other. That game in 2014, which was Mariota's Heisman year, was an instant classic in Eugene. Um, I was working for the radio station at the time, so I was actually down on the field for that game, um, which was That's just cool. a very, very cool experience. Um, yeah, I just think that there's been a lot of really instant classics. And with the addition of Jonathan Smith there, who obviously has the Oregon State ties, I think that there's, you know, it could be really interesting to see um, what these two teams do against each other, especially if Michigan State is um, getting better over the next few years. Right, right. All right, any other sevens for you? Um, yeah, I have Wisconsin. Well, no, Wisconsin. let me actually give, I actually have Wisconsin at an eight. No, so I don't have okay. any more sevens. <laughs> okay, other sevens for me. Um, I had Nebraska at a seven. Okay. Uh, there's a, really? a long Nebraska yeah. at a seven. Do you think that should be Man. higher? Oh yeah! Wow. Okay, tell me. A, tell me why. A, just a long history. I mean, yeah, well, we play not a great history for Oregon. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. So you got to have yeah. some. Like as far as Oregon fans, you got to be pissed off about that. It's true. For the record, so, Oregon is two and six overall against Nebraska. Okay. Well, yeah, we got to make that thing. We got to switch it up. It's, it's time to get it off our chest. <laughs> this also goes along the lines, though, of what I was saying earlier, where I think you really need to have two very competitive teams on either side of the ball. Nebraska may be getting there. They've got Dylan Riola, who was the number one quarterback in the you know the last recruiting class coming in this year. Matt Rule seems to be going in the right direction there, but. You know, I don't know that Nebraska is going to be on "quote unquote" Oregon's level for another five years. So I don't know that I would say they're one of the top rivalries. But I do get what you're saying with the history. Um, there yeah. are some fans that are going to have some bad memories from this this rivalry. Yeah, and I, and I also think that it's part of the. You know, it's obviously the guys on the field that make this thing go. But from a fan's perspective, and you know what the media choose, chooses to write up you know, and, and mm-hmm. what the the fans, you know, guide and dictate as far as the messaging about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the game leading up in the week. Um, you got to throw the fans into the mix as far as why things are heated um, amongst mm-hmm. two, two colleges and two programs. Absolutely. All right. Who is the, uh, the next on your list? Who's an eight? Um, I got Penn State. Penn State. Okay. Tell me why. I had them at a seven, but I'm, I'm willing to hear you out. Um, Penn State just, you know, again, I feel like what we played them, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, this is just my own knowledge. But like Go ahead, I'll we, look it up last time we, talking. last time we played them was 2020? No, definitely not. Dang. The Didn't last we time we, the last time, <laughs> you're gonna, wait, no, that can't be right. The last time we played them was 1995. Oh, jeez. I don't know what stats was, you're looking at. I was only 25 years off. Hold on. <laughs> we are God. career one and three against them. And didn't they beat us in the, the Rose Bowl? Yes. That was them that beat us in the 95 Rose Bowl, wasn't it? 95 Rose Bowl. 95 yep. Rose Bowl. Okay, so Penn State claims a 3-1 series. Um, yes. Lead over Oregon. Yes, and they beat us thirty-eight to twenty in the ninety-five Rose yeah, Bowl. Yes, that was yes, the last yes. time we played. Dang, that was a long time ago. Well, <laughs> not twenty twenty. Uh, not twenty twenty fans. Um, <laughs> this was this is a long, long time ago. But I will say, Penn State seems like a program um, that ha- has a niche in the recruiting world. So mm-hmm. um, you can never count them out as far as being good. And being prepared to to play football, so um, I think the representation for Big Twelve or Big Ten, um, they stand out for sure. I think they're one of those upper echelon teams. I mean, if you're looking at the the top of the top in the conference, you've got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Penn State. Those are kind of the three best. Before you add the West Coast guys in there, so yeah, I yeah. think that they're this. There may not be a ton of history. Yes, you've got that Rose Bowl from '95. But when you look at the the competition on both sides of the ball, um, I think this could really turn into a, a really nice rivalry. Mm-hmm. Who do you got next? What's another eight for you? It was Wisconsin. Okay, um, let's talk about Wisconsin. I have them at a nine personally. Okay, um, Wisconsin. 
Um, you know, they, they seem to, they just seem to have it um, as far as, you know, if you think about Big Ten, I think Wisconsin's logo just jumps out at me. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just, you know, what I was used to in my upbringing, um, mm-hmm. watching the Big Ten. Um, they seem to always be on TV. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, but, you know, I just feel like for Oregon, it's just going to, it's going to be one of those games where it's just going to be a, a measuring stick again. Mm-hmm. I feel like a rivalry, like how you say, is it going to be a competitive matchup? Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, especially this first year going into the big 10, the teams that you have to bring out your measuring stick on and mm-hmm. measure yourself against as far as like, Hey, do we belong? Are we rising above all the other teams here? And um, Wisconsin is one of those teams for me. So when was the last time that Oregon played Wisconsin? <laughs> ah, that's a good question. Oh no. I know when that was. Yeah, you, um, do. you should. That was the Rose bowl. We beat them. Yeah. Right? 2020. Yeah. That was the too- Herbert yeah. Rose bowl. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you want to know something though? One of the things I Please. hated about that game. Yeah, what's that? We we really did not showcase uh, Justin Herbert in that game. And oh, well, we they did, did in that game, and it showed that we didn't his entire career. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it was just he. We ran him a bunch, but like I'm just like, yo, look, this guy. What are we doing? We trying to keep him in college or what? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the the Oregon Wisconsin rivalry because you know honestly it's gone very well for Oregon over the past twenty years. I mean, Oregon's on a three game winning streak against Wisconsin. They're three and three overall, but those last two wins have come in the Rose Bowl. The first of which was in what twenty twelve, the DeAnthony Thomas Rose Bowl, um, mm-hmm. and then you had twenty twenty with Justin Herbert. Um, and I, I just really like where Wisconsin is headed as well. They've got Luke Fickle as their new coach. Um, I think that he's a he did a really good job with Cincinnati. Got them to the playoff back in I forget what year it was twenty eighteen something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I just I like where they're headed as a program, and there is that history that I could see these two teams really going after each other and um, having a lot of instant classic games over the next several years. Yeah, I hear you. Do you have any more eights or are we going on to the nines? Uh, let's go on to the nines. All right. Give me some. Uh, Wolverines. Okay. You got Michigan here. All right. Yeah. Tell me so, about it. Well, uh, Michigan sucks. No, they don't. <laughs> but um, they, Did you ever play won. them? Yes, I did. Uh, that, we, which year was that? That, that was 05? That was um, when I got drafted in 08. So that was 07. Oh seven, okay, and that was the one that was in. Um, that was Ann in, Arbor, isn't it? Uh, yep, Ann Arbor, Michigan, okay. and that was what was the that like? Week after that was the week after App State went in there and basically I that. put them like on a national like embarrassment level. Yeah, I remember that. Football. But um, so they were wounded, you know, and yeah. we went in there. We still just lit them on fire, and that's exactly what you got to do to teams that are wounded. Um, and it was a fun, it was a fun environment, man. I remember going in there, it was loud uh-huh. and we had this hammer, which was kind of like our like thing of like, Hey, we bring in the hammer to anybody mm-hmm. that we play that year. I remember Jeremiah Johnson, um, you know, always carrying it out. Um, and it was just a fun season, man. Um, hated that we dealt with so many injuries cause that game alone yeah. just showcased how talented we were. Our defense mm-hmm. was just so stacked, and um, but you know Dennis Dixon, the Statue of Liberty play. I was just gonna say you broke knows. up the Statue of Liberty and then the fake Statue of Liberty both times. It yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, it it was awesome. So, um, yeah, so I mean, obviously there's history there. So, and I think it's one of those games in history that kind of represents what mm-hmm. Oregon's all about. For this reasoning, everything you just said, I had Michigan at a ten. I gave two teams on this on this you know in this conference a ten. Michigan was one of them. I think that because of all that history, because of obviously they're the defending national champions. Yes, they've had a lot of roster turnover. They lost their head coach this year, but they're still one of the best programs in the nation. And I think yeah. with Oregon competing for conference championships, national championships, I think that 
they're going to butt heads with Michigan a lot. And we have this, you know, this past just history with them. Oregon's won two straight. Um, they're two and three against them overall. So, yeah, I think that they are absolutely one of the biggest rivals for Oregon going into the 2024 season. Yeah, I hear you. Any other nines for you? Uh, USC. Okay. I had them at an eight, but tell me why you got them at a nine. Um, You know, I feel like they're just always going to be, you know, I, I think the national presence that they have is just an opportunity to 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 play on a national level mm-hmm. um and and just basically bring your best football um that should be your mindset um and I don't necessarily think they're gonna be great next year because their defense mm-hmm. still is it, it was so suspect last year I can't really see how they change you know rise above that <laughs> um yeah, right but um I, I still feel like their offensive you know side of the ball can keep them in games and make them dangerous and so they i mean that they were so low they were so bad last year they they kind of have to rise above a little bit so they should be a yeah. little bit better the defense can't be worse yeah the caleb williams is gone and um you know, and I think we got a, they got a chance to see their backup quarterback last year a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think this, it's, it should be a good measuring stick. The one thing for me that kept me from a nine and why I made it an eight, just for whatever reason, I don't know who does the scheduling or what it is. It feels like Oregon just doesn't play USC that much. I mean, they played in 2023. They've only played three times since 2017. And Oregon won all three of those games, but just like, I don't, it would be so much more of a rivalry for me and they won't play this year. I think they played 2025 and then I believe it's 26 or it's 27. They might have a year off after that for whatever reason, they just don't play every year. And if they did have that continual matchup and you could count on USC facing them in late October, or early November every year. Yeah. This would be an outstanding rivalry, but for whatever reason, we just don't get that many games from them. So um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great rivalry. I think it's a really good recruiting rivalry because, you know, Lincoln Riley and Dan Lanny are going af- at it off the field all the time for these Southern California players. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I hope it turns into one of those, those top rivalries because these are two of the biggest brands in the sport, two of the biggest brands on the West coast. I think it could be a lot yeah. of fun going forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Who else you got? Um, that's really it at nine. Okay, so that means you've got – I'm just trying to tally here. There's one team that we've not talked about that we need to, but we talked about it off air, and I want to save that for last. So who are your 10s? My 10s is uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep, I've got them at a 10 as well. And then I have the University of Washington. Okay, give me Ohio State, and then we'll we'll have a conversation about Washington. <laughs> Well, Ohio State, obviously, um, they have dominated us, um, and I, it's it's the measuring stick of them all, right? So um, they're coming into this, you know, this year, um, I think, projected at, you know, probably the top of the conference. Um, mm-hmm. You know, new coaching staff, yeah, that's true, but it's basically um, a turnkey situation. Mm-hmm. Um, with a good coach, with Chip Kelly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, I think the the fresh blood. Anytime you get fresh blood with a good situation, is dangerous, man. So, mm-hmm. for Oregon, you gotta, you know, you gotta be on top of your game. You know, hopefully we, um, you know, keep our guys healthy so that way we can actually, you know, make a statement. And I think that's mm-hmm. basically when it comes to those big games, it comes down to which team is the most healthy. So I think you're, I think you're right to call this a measuring stick because mm-hmm. so many times, I mean, Oregon and Oregon fans view themselves as a, a team that should be able to win national championships and be that mm-hmm. number one team in the nation. They've gotten to that level several times before and they've lost. And sometimes it's been to Ohio state. I mean, Ohio state beat them in the 2014 national championship. Um, yep. You know, they beat them at what was the 2010 Rose bowl. Time and time again, Oregon has come up short to Ohio State. That's why that game in 2021 
beating them in the shoe in Columbus was a game I was at. Uh, incredible. I, I wrote yeah. after that day that I think that was the biggest win, biggest regular season win in Oregon history, because I think that they just kind of got over the hump a little bit and they finally yeah. beat them. And, you yeah. know, now we get to see what it's going to be like playing them on a regular basis. So I, I agree. They are the only, the other team with Michigan that I had at a 10 on this rivalry scale. I think that they are absolutely going to be the new measuring stick for Oregon going forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So let's get into this Washington conversation. You told me that when we were texting over the weekend and I pitched this idea to you that you thought that we should talk about how UW and that rivalry was going to be more impactful going forward. I stopped you right there and I said, hold that thought because we need to talk about this on the podcast. That's a really interesting discussion to me. So please explain you know, your reasoning why you think the UW rivalry will be more impactful going forward now that they're in the Big Ten. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, the history. I'm always going to go down to the history. Um, mm-hmm. And the history is more than just football. It's a local, like, battle. Mm-hmm. Um, a battle on the gridiron, a battle in recruiting, um, and a battle between two states. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as far as the games are now being spread throughout the big 10. So there's going to be a lot of travel that are going, that's going to happen as far as going and having to figure out for the fans standpoint of man, how do I watch my Oregon ducks or my, my university of Washington Huskies play in person unless they're at home. And so I feel like just that alone, um, like the, the fact that it's local and it's easy to to go and have access to this one game a year that just becomes even more so like celebrated maybe um mm-hmm. you know just from the standpoint of the history alone i think you you have to um you know sit back and just you know relish the you know the past and 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 make the most of what's left of the pack pack 10 or pack 12 <laughs> so, so- do you think that makes it more a more important rivalry going forward now that you're going away from the Pac-2 and into the Big Ten? I think it is because if you look at it from the recruiting standpoint, like it still exists. Like if you mm-hmm. are a school and you have great good players coming out of the Northwest, which school are you going to go to? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Which school are you going to go to from you know the you know the the Northern California um, recruits and um, the Oregon recruits and Washington recruits. Where are those school? Where are those kids thinking about going? Is it going to go to? Are they going to go to the loser of, you know, the <laughs> the UW? No, they're not going to go to UW. They're going to go to Oregon now because uh-huh. Oregon's the winner. So I think it's important. I think it's just an important game as far as um, bragging rights go. As far as you know, the recruiting goes. And so that's that's basically my underlying impression is that um seattle and eugene are going to be going at it (laughs) i don't i don't disagree with you at all um you know i i just think that going forward into the big 10 i i had washington ranked as a nine on my scale and not a 10 Mm -hmm. because i think that going into the big 10 this rivalry loses a little bit of juice in the Pac-12, Washington was definitely Oregon's biggest Pac-12 rival, despite what Oregon State and the Beavers fans will try to tell you. But I think that the rivalry really reached its peak, in my opinion, in the past three years. You know, you had the last year of Mario with all of the Jimmy Lake drama and all of that hilarity that ensued. And in the past two years with UW going 3-0 against Oregon and Dan Lanning not being able to you know, get over that Washington hump. The rivalry, yeah. like I've been saying this whole time, the rivalry is at its best when both teams are good and competing for a conference championship. I don't think that we're going to see that again for quite some time with Oregon being at the top of the big 10 in the mix for a playoff spot. I don't think Washington's there right now. They, they probably won't be this year. They probably won't be next year, five years from now, maybe, but that kind of depends on, you know, where Jed fish is and how long he stays in Washington. I could honestly see him leaving in a couple of years to take a different job. That's just the, the kind of coach that he is. So, 
you know, there was a stretch when Oregon beat Washington 12 times in a row. You were a part of that. You never lost to Washington in your career. I know that you're very proud of that, as you said earlier. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen again over the next decade. But I think we will see a bit more Oregon dominance because of where currently Oregon is and where Washington currently is. So I still have UW a nine on the rivalry because this, the game definitely matters. As all you just laid out, it's, it's very important mm-hmm. for fans. There's so much heart and so much history there. In a world where Oregon, you know, is playing a lot of teams where fans lack familiarity with, you know, there is certainly something that's special about this game. But I just don't see the rivalry really gaining importance now that you've got Oregon up against teams that are competing for those conference championships like Ohio State, like Michigan, right. like Wisconsin. So I think it's still very important, but I just I don't know. I don't think it's it's it feels weird to say, but I don't think Washington's the top rival for Oregon anymore going forward. I don't think they're the top rival, but I think they are. I mean, how I view it, you can play a team ten times and beat them ten times, yeah, and still hate them. <laughs> that's true. So, and that's and and that's kind of the more of the tradition that you I think you gotta carry. How about that? Mm-hmm. I would say the tr- the the rivalry is at a ten for me because mm-hmm. it needs to have importance. You have okay. to make it be important. You have to make it something because that's part of the excitement in recruiting. It's the part of the 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 separation and the gap. You know, if you're a University of Oregon, that you're basically messaging on a you know a week that you're preparing for a UW. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think what you're seeing right now is, you know, at the co- the collegiate level, is a lot of um, you're, we're send a lot of you know media and and schools are syndicating you know this this front basically of mm-hmm. trying to create more excitement around the game, creating mm-hmm. more excitement for the players and and why they should be coming to the school. And so when it comes to UW and Oregon. Oregon must look at UW as a threat to recruiting mm-hmm. and their existence in the Northwest. Okay. That makes sense. I like yeah. that. Let's shift gears real quick before we kind of open things up and throw out the structure in the, the back half of this podcast. I want to talk to you about the NFL combine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hundreds of draft prospects are in Indianapolis this week for what is arguably the biggest job interview of their lives. Um, there are seven ducks in attendance and they will hit the field for workouts and all that fun stuff starting on Thursday. As you told us last week, you were injured during the pre-draft process in 2008. You had surgery for your turf toe. You did, however, go to the combine and do pre-draft interviews with several teams. What was that entire process for you like? Uh, man, it was uh, it was interesting because being injured, um, you know, you have dreams and aspirations of going to the combine and performing really well. You know, mm-hmm. while, while I was at Oregon, you know, every year we trained, I was a four, three, six, 40 guy. Okay. Um, and so like my vertical was like four forty, like a 40 inch vertical mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so for me, I knew that I was going to be able to go to the combine and just kill it and knock it out of the park. Um, but I got injured and messed with my toe. And that kind of, you know, changed the trajectory as far as, you know, my approach to the combine. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, but eventually I, you know, gained the confidence to enter the draft. And so going to the combine for me was basically being, you know, pricked and pulled. And, you know, it doesn't really feel good when you're you know, <laughs> limping around and people are asking like, Hey, are you going to run the 40, uh, this week? Are you going to do the, the vertical this week? And so I ended up doing the vertical and I ended up running my 40. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, luckily I did because, you know, cause I wasn't going to at first. Um, and Doug Williams, um, Red, mm-hmm. uh, at the time Redskins quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulls me aside and says, Hey man, are you planning on running the 40 today? It's like, nah, my agent doesn't, you know, think I should because of my toe. And he just says, he says, he says this to me. Well, if you're fast, 
you're fast. And I'm like thinking to myself, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, is he telling me to run the 40? And so, um, so I actually go out there and say, hey, look, Tashar Choice, let me borrow your, uh, your cleats. And so uh, they were vapor, vapor cleats, vapor, uh-huh. Nike vapors. And so I put his cleats on and I run my 40. And so, you know, I think one of those things, one of the things I look back at is like, everybody knew that I was injured. Everybody knew um, that I was potentially probably going to have to have surgery on my toe, which I ended Mm -hmm. up having surgery on my toe after the combine. But it showcased my ability to run hurt, Mm -hmm. which in the grand scheme of things, when you play football, you're going to have to play hurt. You're going to have to figure out how to make your body do the things that it needs to do to perform even when you really can't. Mm -hmm. And that's been the story of my career um, and the Carolina Panthers, uh, definitely took a chance on me. Okay. So focusing on the, the off field stuff, like the, the meetings with, with teams and, you know, officials, I don't know how many people they have in those meetings, but was it, did it feel like the, the biggest interview of your life? What did that feel like? Just kind of going in and having this pressure on talking to this team that want to make the right impression. Yeah, man. You know, um, you know, it, it felt like I was going into, you know, these rooms in Indianapolis and being, you know, put on trial, actually. <laughs> a lot of a lot of it felt like I was on trial. Uh, you know, I won't ever I won't ever say teams or or names uh-huh. on this. But um, one of the most interesting things that I've been asked was, hey, uh, do you do drugs? I'm like, no, <laughs> I was like, I was like, no. <laughs> like well do you do do you do crack no (laughs) what about cocaine oh my god i don't know i don't know is that the same no i don't (laughs) and then he was like well what about dope do you do dope i was like nah coach i don't do none of that (laughs) but like it was almost kind of like they're trying to set you up and then there's one there's one coach um you know it was just me him and another guy and the, the the gentleman was like standing by the door, like kind of like ducked off in the back of his, this little room. And it felt like an integra- like interrogation. But he's like sitting there. He's like, hey, so uh, how do you like playing fullback? I'm like, oh, I'm not a full, I'm not a fullback coach. He's like, well, you might be. I'm like, well, I'm a running back. He's like, well. If you if your if your toe doesn't heal up, you might be running like a fullback. I'm like, nah, I'm 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 okay, coach. I, I ran my forty. He's like, oh, okay, but you're a fullback though. We think we think that you're a good fullback. You'll be a great fullback. Um, can you catch out of the backfield? I'm like, yeah, I can catch out of the backfield. But you can tell like they're just trying to like prick and pull at you on certain questions uh-huh. based up. And I think one of the things that I I took from that is you know. At the time, I was pretty, I was very mild mannered and, mm-hmm. you know, spoke when I was spoken to, didn't really have a lot to say, way different than I, I'm way different now than I was then. Um, <laughs> and so I think it was just their way to see what they can get out of me. Um, That's so they, they know, you know, they know these players in and out. And so they're going to try to figure out who you are because they don't have that much time with you. And so they uh-huh. got to try every little tactic to understand who you are and if you're a good fit for their their locker room and whatnot. But I will say one of my favorite interviews was with Mike Tomlin. Um, and, and I'll always remember just kind of like being able to like sit in the room with him. Um, he was he had me on the drawing board going over protections and stuff like that. And I actually felt like I was learning within mm-hmm. that interview. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why. It was one of my favorites. I love that. I mean, you always hear the stories about players just being asked the wildest things by coaches. Like, you know, are you, if you were going to murder someone, what weapon would you use? Or are you a yeah. cat? Or are you a dog? And it's like, uh, oh, yeah. why am I supposed I've been to asked, these? I, I've been asked if I was a cat or a dog. And I told him, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I said, no, nah, I'm a wolf. <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. Who's going to answer yeah. cat in that scenario? I think that that's the obvious wrong yeah. answer if you're a football player. <laughs> I'm a kitty cat, coach. 
All right, let's open things up to end this. Um, for this part of the podcast, we're sort of throwing out the structure, and I just want to have more of a you know an open ended discussion with you. We've been very upfront about the fact that you know this is a a new version of the podcast going forward with you as a co host, and I think listeners want to you know get used to our dynamic to- together as co hosts, and I thought it'd be very useful for them to. Um, you know, get an essence of what you and what I kind of think about the current landscape of college football. So I just want to ask you a few questions about, you know, how things have changed since you played the game and how we've seen it change over the last, uh, you know, couple of decades and just kind of see where we stand at this. Cause I think, you know, it's stuff that I don't, I don't know about you either. Um, I think it's stuff that we really could, could make use of going forward. Oh, for sure. So I'll start by asking you this. NIL, name, image, and likeness. I'm assuming that as a former athlete that you are in favor of, of what it does for the sport? Um, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's always, you know, the positives and negatives. But for me, mm-hmm. I see more positives here. Um, you know, you're getting guys an opportunity to be, you know, paid for what they're doing. Um, you know, it's hard being a college athlete um and a student athlete so you know a lot of the students get to go and just be a student but you mm-hmm. know there's a lot that's that's weighing on you know these kids that you know have you know you know they have responsibilities um outside of just going to school they have to worry about their treatment their health practice learning plays eating healthy getting mm-hmm. the right sleep um so, I mean, they're actually doing probably way more than a professional athlete is mm-hmm. um, when it comes to what they're doing in their sport. And so they deserve to be paid and they deserve to be um, branded in a way that kind of gives them momentum for the rest of their, you know, their life. Um, you know, and for some for some of these kids, you know, their last stop is going to be college and then it's going to be on to the next thing. So I feel like, you know, the NIL opportunities as far as, you know, payments and whatnot, like that's great because you're, you're giving, you know, a lot of these kids that come from inner city or from backgrounds that, you know, that don't have much and you're giving them an opportunity to get a step ahead um, with this landscape here. And so, I mean, I think, but also there's clearly some negatives there, right? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where, you know, there's recruiting challenges where like, it's like, what's, where's the thin, where's the line that's drawn in the slant sand that I can't cross over, um, you know, as far as, you know, getting, uh, you know, a bad rep and a bad name. So, I mean, Uh what's your thoughts? I mean, I, I agree. I think that it's, it's incredibly good for the athletes. It was going on for way too long and there was way too much money in the sport at the top for athletes not to be getting paid. Um, That's, you can say that it's a really good development in the sport and still acknowledge that there's still a long way to go before it's made operational and perfect. And, you know, doesn't have as many downsides. There needs to be regulation. I mean, the NCAA, I think massively screwed up when they introduced it and just said, all right, we don't really have any rules for this. Just kind of let it go. And yeah. now it's the wild, wild west. And you've got wild, wild some, west. You said it. Yeah. You've got some high school quarterbacks reportedly making, you know, $8 million out of high school without ever taking a snap. Yeah. It's like, all right, this isn't going to work. So we got to figure out something going forward to make it better. But I think that in the end, the um, it's going to benefit the athletes so much. What I want to ask you though, is, is any part of you kind of bitter that it wasn't around when you were a college athlete? Uh, bitter wouldn't be the right term, but it would have been nice, but I, I mean, you it, at least you know? went on to have a very successful NFL yeah. career. So I think you'd probably feel a little bit different if that hadn't happened as well. Yeah, I would definitely feel a lot different, you know, considering the, the fact that, you know, there's guys that won't make it to the league that are getting paid. So mm-hmm. you're right about that, but, um, it would have been nice, especially going to the university of Oregon. Who, who yeah. would have known what would have been thrown our way? Um, Get that Phil Knight bag. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to eat, you know, be able to go to. I remember when they had, um, what's the Asian restaurant that just opened up during that time? Eugene. Um, in the jail? Nah, not P. that F. one. But uh, P.F. Chang's. 
Yeah. When PF Chang's first opened, I was like, man, I can't wait to like have enough money to go to PF Chang's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably thinking to myself now, like there's kids probably going to PF Chang's every day. Yeah. Um I own but, stock in PF Chang's. <laughs> yeah. All the NIL money um, they got. Man, so like it's I know, right? Probably have a couple PF Chang's being built across the across the nation. <laughs> um if you're investing. So I but I think it's really cool, especially, you know, given the the knowledge and all the things that are out there on social mm-hmm. social media platforms, like you can learn so much nowadays as far as what you can do with your finances. And like I, I pray that, you know, there's a lot of built-in programming for the student athlete to learn investing, to learn finances mm-hmm. and, and to learn how to, you know, make their dollar grow um, as opposed to um, just spending it and whatnot. So um, it's a good opportunity for, you know, the student athlete, but I feel like, you know, the, the sports that are going to, you know, suffer are the ones that aren't generating enough revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's where uh, going back to what you're saying, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You just kind of jumped in a pool full of full of possibilities um, with no life with no life vests or anything. So mm-hmm. um, some people are going to sink, and some schools might even sink. I mean, we already saw what what came to be of the Pac-12. So mm-hmm. um, you got to figure something out when it comes to policy and having things in place to to really guide this and do it the right way. So that way it doesn't become something that we don't want. What about the transfer portal? You could, uh, when you played, you could transfer, but rules were much, much more strict than they are now. Do you think ultimately the transfer portal has made the sport better? (laughs) I got you on that one. (laughs) Now I have two thoughts. Uh-huh. I have two thoughts. My first thought is the transfer portal should be for guys that le- have a legit reason for transferring. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and that legitimacy stance comes from like, hey, you're actually rated and ranked as a really good player. Mm-hmm. And you have proven to put something on tape. It just so happens that you're not going to play and you got one year left, two years left Mm -hmm. because there's another guy that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. I understand that you need to get out and get reps. So I understand that situation. My problem is, is the guy that, you know, complains about, you know, Hey, I'm not, I'm not starting. And mm-hmm. you've never played a game, bro. <laughs> yeah. You never stepped on the field. So, like, mm-hmm. you never really gave – you never gave yourself a, a shot to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's where, for me, I'm just – I see some of these guys that, you know, they don't really have a backbone. And, mm-hmm. and they're complaining and, and hollering, you know, or they're in a great situation sometimes, you know. And it's like, you know, someone comes and takes their – takes their takes their position if Mm -hmm. if someone comes and takes your spot and you were a starter and all of a sudden now you want to jump ship i can't get with that Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying to me it's like hey work harder to -hmm. keep your spot and now i know that there's coaches and there's scenarios and situations where you know now you know basically this is turning into the nfl where Mm -hmm. coaches are becoming gms and so how things are kind of evolving and going, I kind of understand the approach of, okay, I maximize my duties here. I need to go find somewhere else to go because this is a good time for leverage that I can leverage my, my play that I put on film that I put on tape at my college to go somewhere else for a nation, a better national recognition. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the better national presence, being able to play at a higher level against better talent. I understand all of that. But when it's the other guy that's saying, oh, man, he took my position. He took my spot. I need to go to another college. Man, you better go work harder. There ain't nobody trying to hear that. So how do you feel about Ty Thompson? 
I mean, he was here for, what, three years, and he kept on getting passed over in the depth chart. They brought in Bo Nix, and he passed him. They brought in Dylan Gabriel, and he, you know, obviously that didn't play out because he he went to the transfer portal first, but it looked like he was going to be passed on the depth chart again. So he goes to Tulane in the transfer portal. I think most people, and I I personally celebrate him for what he, he stuck around for so long and tried to work to when it finally became like, all right, the writing's on the wall here. I need to go somewhere else if I want to play. How do you feel about him? Case in point, he stuck around. Okay. He didn't just jump ship, right? (laughs) He stuck around and he tried to see if he can match the talent. That was that was being brought in. Mm-hmm. This is for the guy that says, "Oh no, I'm I just got here. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a freshman. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm a redshirt freshman, and I keep not being able to play or step on the field. And coach doesn't like me, and I don't have any friends. Like, I don't know. Like, I see that a mile away, and I sniff the BS. And and I don't I don't put Ty Thompson in that category at all because. He went through his process mm-hmm. and he stuck around and he tried to figure it out and, you know, jump in the transfer portal, go find you an opportunity. It feels like a better example for what you're talking about is like a Malachi Nelson who was at USC. He was one of the top quarterbacks, I think maybe the top quarterback in his class. Didn't play for a year because Caleb Williams was there. Of course, he wasn't going to play, but he transferred mm-hmm. to Boise State this offseason. And so it's like, okay, but I, you know, I, Part of me, I love the the player the player empowerment. Just go where you want to go. But I know there is another side to it where it's it it's tough on so many other people. And that's it's, it's a slippery slope. It's it's you don't really know where the line is in the sand. So like some guys don't be that have no business jumping into that portal, and some guys do. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. going back to Colorado, right? Deion Sanders gets there. He says, "Hey, look, yeah. y'all need to jump in this portal because you're not going to be here." <laughs> Basically, coach telling you that you're not good enough to play for him. So his standards, he's basically he cutting you, him. Yeah. Well, basically, he's letting you know that, hey, look, my standard is this and you're not that. Huh. And so I get that approach, too. And so, um, I mean, that's there's so many different. That's why I hesitated here is because there's so many yeah. different angles as far as like what's right and what's not right. <laughs> and again, it's one of those things that just kind of they allowed it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of taking its form and it's mm-hmm. becoming a snowball effect. Hopefully it's not something that's been way too out of control. Well, and when you, I mean, none of these things that we're talking about are single entities too. I mean, the transfer portal is what it is because of NIL and NIL is what it is because mm-hmm. of the transfer portal. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword and it's kind of created this mass chaos and hysteria in the sport that I don't know what it will look like five, 10 years from now, but I know that it's, you know, it's going in one direction and it seems to be that there could be a, um, a bad ending if things continue to go the way they are. Um, the final topic of the big three in college football right now, conference realignment. We talked a few weeks ago. You said that you weren't exactly quote unquote sad when the PAC 12 broke up, but you did miss the history and you're, you're going to miss a lot of the history that it brought. So what are your thoughts on, you know, conference realignment in general? Um, You know, I think it's great from a sense of, you know, football is becoming one of the most watched sports in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have online betting, you have all these things that are gaining you know, the interest of the viewer. Um, Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to follow, you know, follow that. And basically you got to follow the money, Um, especially if you're a college program, um, you know, that's generating revenue for your school. And Mm -hmm. so looking at how the Big Ten and, and, you know, some of the Pac-12 schools, um, you know, ventured there, you know, it was, it's, it's a business decision at the end of the day. And so there's no hard feelings about, you know, what used to be, I mean, history is history. And I think we've seen it take fold over time. Um, the mm-hmm. big 10 became the big 10 because of changes and same mm-hmm. with the sec and the ACC, um, the PAC 10 used to be the PAC 10 it turned into the PAC 12. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like we're part of change, um, as long as you're alive. And so we're going to see changes. And I think it's good for the standpoint of, you know, Dan Lanning and the University of Oregon will be able to be recognized amongst the nation 
in, in, a, in a better light because of the media coverage. And so I think it's great, man. Where do you see it going in five, ten years? Do you do you see an end point for this, or what do you what do you kind of see as the future of this continued realignment? Man, I can I can honestly start seeing this take form from how it should take form is some mixture of you know the, the co- like college football world turns into a semi pro level of NFL, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like. Where you know each conference turns into regions and divisions, mm-hmm. and basically you have your AFC and your NFC, and then North, South, East, West, um, and obviously they have to figure that out. But I just think that from a level of just even when you talk about the NIL and you know the the possibilities of you know Oregon lacrosse being able to travel all the way mm-hmm. cross country just to play a game and then they have to get back to school. And mm-hmm. there's just a lot of juggling there. Um, that's not fair to the student athlete because mm-hmm. the student athlete still has to be a student and they still mm-hmm. have to get good grades. And so what is that going to look like when you have players traveling and doing homework and mm-hmm. having tutors and, you know, their learning environment, you know, is, is altered because you're chasing that dough and mm-hmm. um so i mean there's so there's, there's gonna be a lot of learning here and a lot of changes i think for sure but i think ultimately the biggest you know revenue generator such as football and, and basketball you're gonna have to um you know align you know those sports particular in mm-hmm. a way that kind of gives a little bit of separation and takes the the pressure off those other sports. Yeah, I think that conference realignment and what happened this past year and kind of where things stand now is great for football. It's mm-hmm. awful for everything else. And I, I agree with you. I, I, Chip Kelly said this last year as, as well when they were asking him about it, I think, um, during like a midweek interview. And he said, you know what, Let's. why are we not breaking out football and having it as its own entity and keep everything else, keep baseball, lacrosse, basketball, wrestling, golf, keep that in the Pac-12, keep that in the Big Ten and the SEC, keep that regional, and then you'll make, you know, you've there's several different facets that football can take form, whether it's like the NFL model. Um, I'm actually a, a very big proponent for the relegation model. I haven't, I don't know if you've heard anything about that or seen anything about that where you kind of, you take the, uh, the format that English Premier League soccer has and Premier League Champions sure. League, you kind of group them in 16, 20 teams, and you know, the top 12 teams stay and they play in the playoff. The bottom four teams, they get relegated down to the bottom league. Top four teams from that league move up into the top league, stuff like that. So there's different forms that it can take. I think that we're all kind of on a um on a path to eventually that happening because the way that it's operating right now is not sustainable. Um, I think yeah. that it's it's still early days, so we don't really know how bad that can get, but it is getting that way to where something needs to change going forward. Speaking of Chip Kelly, do you think that he going him going to Ohio State, you know, mm-hmm. Big Ten with all this change for the Big Ten, do you think that he has the you know the possibility or the resources or the stature to be involved in that type that type of change? He could be. I mean, he's, I think he's a very well respected voice in the industry. And I know that, you know, you may not think that they're going to listen to some offensive coordinator, someone that's usually like um, just for a head coach to be talking about, but he is, I mean, people know that he's more than just an offensive coordinator. He's coached at the NFL level. He's coached at a very high level in college. So um, I know there's a lot of discussions to come. I'm sure that his input will be out there because he's shown a, a propensity to, you know, make his feelings known about this matter and a lot of other matters as well. So um, I would love to see, you know, him have a bigger say because I, for the most part, I've really agreed with what I've heard him say over the years, even back to when he was at Oregon. Yeah, I got you, man. All right, let's uh let's wrap it up there. We will be back with you guys next week. I'm sure we will break down, you know, how the Ducks did in the combine and look ahead of the NFL draft a little bit more. And we may get into some spring football as well. I know that Oregon practices are slated to start sometime in March. Uh, Jay Stu, do you have anything else to add before we close it out? 
Nope. All I got to say is, though, well, actually, I do got to say something. Um, for all you seven-on-seven seven coaches out there <laughs> that didn't make your dreams come true in the NFL, didn't meet your college expectations, <laughs> and you're out there standing on, you know, business, they say, at seven-on-seven at, at seven tournaments trying to put your hands on uh, NFL greats like Cam Newton. Uh-huh. You got another thing coming. Do not try that business. That's funky I think business. They found out pretty quickly. Yeah, they found <laughs> out real fast about how how different Cam Newton is built. Cam Newton is built. God spent a lot more time on Cam Newton than he did a lot of other folks. So, um, you know, to the coaches out there, man, just always remember why you're coaching. Um, it's not about you. And it's about enhancing the game of football, the game of basketball, whatever it is that you are involved in. And it's with the youth. It's about those kids and about getting them access to be seen, to be to showcase their talents um, and to just better themselves as human beings. And so mm-hmm. treat the people that are in position with respect because um, their time is precious. And yeah, man, and parents, man, like if your kids speaking out of turn and speaking all crazy him them up put them in a headlock and then <laughs> put them in punishment <laughs> and respect your elders i couldn't have said it any better myself uh real quick yeah. before we go i just wanted to thank all of you guys for the support and the positive messages that we got last week once we announced jay stew's edition as a co-host i know that i got a ton i'm sure you did it as well jay stew it was just very cool to see um yeah. we're really trying to grow this thing and we're working uh with advertisers and sponsors going forward so if you haven't already please go to wherever you're listening to this podcast give it a five-star rating uh leave a short review tell your friends and family about it and kind of help us grow this community all those things will really really help a ton when it comes to increasing downloads um and just growing the show going forward and we really appreciate it you can uh, you can check out more of my work at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. Follow Jay Stew on Twitter at Jonathan Stewar1. Um, and same on Instagram as well. Make sure to check out the Believe in Panthers podcast. For myself, Zach Neal, for my co-host, Jonathan Stewart, we'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy. Mm-hmm.